Welcome to the Adult Bedwetting Podcast. I'm your host, Adult Manuretic, and this is episode number eight, Origin Stories. Before we can even begin to talk about when somebody's story for bedwetting or incontinence begins, we have to talk about at what point it's even considered bedwetting or incontinence. After all, everybody is born wetting. Medically speaking, a child isn't considered to be a bedwetter or be diagnosed with nocturnal enuresis until they've attained the age of at least older than five years. As far as I can tell, there's no solid definition for how often bedwetting must occur for a diagnosis to take place. It is worth noting, however, that significant emotional or social distress caused by the bedwetting is enough to diagnose nocturnal enuresis as well. Nocturnal enuresis can be considered monosymptomatic or polysymptomatic. That is to say, monosymptomatic where there are no other symptoms involved during the day, or polysymptomatic where there are other symptoms that occur in conjunction with the bedwetting. These could include increased or decreased voiding, daytime incontinence, urgency, straining, intermittency, feeling of incomplete emptying, or lower urinary tract pain, or other symptoms. These types of symptoms suggest that there's a more complex pathology involved than just the nocturnal enuresis. Medically speaking, nocturnal enuresis also breaks down into categories of primary nocturnal enuresis and secondary nocturnal enuresis. Primary nocturnal enuresis is bedwetting that has never had a break of greater than six months since birth. That is to say that it's been continuous bedwetting for as long as you can remember. This can be caused by sleep disorders, insufficient production of antidiuretic hormone or vasopressin, a small bladder, defects in the, uro- in the lower urinary tract, or genetics. Genetics is a big one. Secondary nocturnal enuresis is nocturnal enuresis that is returned after a period of six months or more of being dry. In this case, it can be caused by factors that are trigger, like a urinary tract infection, sleep apnea, it could again be insufficient antidiuretic hormone. Um, in this case, it would be something that causes that condition to appear suddenly. It could be caused by overactive bladder, uh, blockage of some sort. In adults, you could be looking at uh, enlarged prostate, a neurological disorder, could be a cancer, and you could also be looking at psychological stress. In older literature, primary nocturnal enuresis is also sometimes referred to as essential nocturnal enuresis, meaning that it's part of your essence or part of who you are, whereas secondary nocturnal enuresis is almost always attributed to a secondary cause, that something is causing it or triggering it and needs to be investigated by a doctor. I personally add a third type of nocturnal enuresis that I have my own definition for. I refer to it as mixed nocturnal enuresis. This is something that you don't see listed in the literature anywhere. Under my definition, this is where you have either extended primary nocturnal enuresis or a secondary nocturnal enuresis that goes away and returns. So you have both primary and secondary. Uh, This is something that we tend to see on our sub quite frequently. People have stories of 
being a bedwetter and then having it go away at some point in their life and then having it return. Uh, this is not something that seems to be documented in the literature very well, but it seems to be something that is a lived experience of a lot of people on the adult bedwetting subreddit. Similarly to nocturnal enuresis, incontinence doesn't have a diagnosis take place until a child is at least five years of age or older. Especially in children, it's also sometimes termed as diurnal enuresis, especially if no point source for a cause can be found. However, unlike nocturnal enuresis, there is a specific frequency that needs to be met to fulfill the requirements for diagnosis, in this case twice a week for a period of three months or more for accidents to meet the definition for diurnal enuresis. Incontinence, of course, has myriad causes, a few of which are pregnancy, childbirth injuries, bladder instability, prostate enlargement or cancer, kidney stones or other blockages, neurological disorders, or congenital malformations in the lower urinary tract. My own story revolves primarily around secondary nocturnal enuresis. I was a bedwetter as a kid, but not from the very beginning. I started at some point in kindergarten or elementary school. My parents never used diapers, always just changed the bedding. I don't remember exactly how long it lasted for. At some point it started to slow down. Frequency just dropped less and less frequently. It persisted through middle school. At some point I stopped asking for help with the sheets as it got less and less frequent to the point where my mother wasn't really aware of at what points, what nights it was happening. At first I used to just put the wet sheets down the laundry chute, even though I wasn't asking for help with the sheets anymore. Kid logic, I put them down the laundry chute and figured they just kind of went away. Of course, my mother must have known what was happening, so that, that wasn't hiding anything. At some point, I realized that that was a bad idea and decided to try washing the sheets myself. At first, I would just throw the sheets in the washer and run it, run it with whatever else was in there, and then leave it the way, way that it was. Of course, having sheets run with a load of laundry that had already been run was probably also a dead giveaway. It took me some time to figure out that that probably wasn't working either. So then I realized I needed to wash them and dry them and put them away, or put them back on the bed. So then I would take the stuff, wet clothes out of the washer that had already been washed, put them in a basket, wash the sheets, take the stuff out of the dryer that had already been dried, put that in the basket, dry the sheets, put the dry stuff back in the dryer, put the wet stuff back in the washer, and try and leave it the way that it was. Put the sheets back on the bed, not realizing, of course, that having taken the stuff out of the washer and put it back in, that last spin cycle paced stuff up against the side of the washer, and that was probably a giveaway that somebody was also taking stuff in and out of the washer. At some point, I got wise to that as well, and started to run the stuff in the washer back through an extra rinse and spin cycle try and put it back the way that it was. So I got to be very, very sneaky about running the sheets through the washer, running them through the dryer, and replacing everything back so it looked just as the way that it was beforehand. But it took me quite a while to figure that out. So in the meantime, my mother must have realized that there was some reason that I was running the washing machine while they were away from the house. 
doing it in all kinds of strange ways. She never did bring it up, never said anything about it, though. When I was 16, my dad gave me his old station wagon, and I got a job. And for the first time, I had money and transportation, and I decided for the first time also then to go out and buy diapers. I used them just in case we were traveling, or I was sick, or something of that nature. I didn't really need them frequently, and the risk was relatively low, but I used them just in case. When I was sick was the most frequent time that I would be at risk of having an accident. That was the time that I was most likely to use them. I used to drive to a pharmacy that was farther away from our house than the nearest one or two. I used to pace the aisles, trying to get up the nerve to buy a package of Depends or whatever they had on the shelf. The amount of extra time I spent wandering around the store must have looked incredibly suspicious. I probably drew more attention to myself than I needed to. The first couple of times I'd lose my nerve, leave the store, then come back 20 minutes later, try again. I'm sure that I was drawing a lot of attention. By the time I got to the register, I'm sure the clerk was very curious what I was up to. About a year after that, my bedwetting stopped completely, just about in time for me to go away to college. I was very lucky in that I didn't have to deal with it at all for the two years that I spent living in the dorms. As an upperclassman, I had a couple of random incidents. It was enough for me to worry about having to take precautions again, but they were few and far between. One summer when I came home between years of uh, college, between my junior and senior year perhaps, I wrapped my entire mattress in Visqueen, just in case. If you're not familiar with it, Visqueen is the sort of industrial plastic sheeting they use on construction sites to control dust. It comes in big rolls. I just unrolled the length of it and folded it around the mattress like a big sheet. I went away on a trip that summer for a couple of weeks, and when I returned, the Visqueen was gone, and the mattress was protected by a quilted mattress protector. My mother must have found it and replaced it. Never said anything about it. It was very good of her. After that, my bedwetting slowly ramped back up through my 20s, became more frequent as time went on. Went from being once or twice a year to being every few months to being once a month, somewhere along those lines. When I met my wife early in my 20s, it was still pretty infrequent, so it wasn't a big problem at the time. We got married. Time went on. Later, after my 30th birthday, there was a big change, and it suddenly became very frequent again. It jumped from you know, maybe once a month to several times a week. And that's where it's been ever since then. And it's actually probably more than several times a week. It's basically every night at this point. If I have a dry night in a week, that's a good week. So it's basically a nightly thing at this point. So that's where it's gone. So I have a story of secondary nocturnal aneurysis that occurred twice. 
I'm not sure that it really occurred twice because the two times seem related to me. I had a gap in the middle, but it kind of wound down and slowly wound back up. So I'm not sure that my gap really counts as separating two independent times in my life that I had, you know, had wedding periods. I think it was more or less one long period with a slow lull in the middle. This is where my definition that I made up, the mixed nocturnal enduresis, sort of comes in. I think that a lot of cases are probably not as simple as just primary or secondary nocturnal enuresis. One user from the sub had a pretty complicated story of what I would call mixed nocturnal enuresis to tell as well. Username was deleted. I was a late potty trainer from what I've been told. It was very difficult in getting to, getting to use the potty and would often need to be bribed. Eventually, I did get the hang of it for daytime. While wet nights lingered for a bit, I did eventually get completely dry, but that only lasted until shortly after my 10th birthday. That was when I had my first wet night again. Initially, it was sporadic, with wet nights every few weeks or so. But that gradually worsened, and by middle school, it was pretty much every other night. By high school, it was five-plus nights a week. Thankfully, my parents were very supportive. My mom took care of the wet beds, sheets, and clothes, so that helped me a bit definitely had a lasting effect on my self-esteem and self-confidence. With this being such an important time in my life and in development, I can see the effects it had on my life 15 plus, later, 15 plus years later, but I would never get over it, even though my parents and doctors' encouragement tried to show otherwise. I did manage a dry period for just over six months in my late teens. To this day, I don't know how or why. Of course, the bedwetting returned with full force, and it has been that case ever since, basically. Since college, I would dehydrate myself often to try and cut down on the number of wet nights. It helped somewhat, but led to me feeling pretty lethargic, and looking back, the difference is so noticeable. I continue to do this, though, because it helps limit the number of wet nights, despite the negative side of it. I tried the alarms, medication, waking up, limiting fluids at night, and that never helped at least not with the far worse side effects. Eventually I met my fiance and even hid it from her for the first year and a half until we moved in together. Coming clean about it was such a weight off my shoulders and I felt so much better. Not to mention I've, st I have started I have started hydrating myself properly so my body feels and looks so much healthier. Since I was potty trained in out of diapers and pull-ups, I never returned to them nightly until recently. Growing up I would only be made to wear them while traveling away from home or sick. To say I hated the diapers and pull-ups would be a huge understatement. Every single trip or occurrence when I was wearing them would come up. I would always try to argue my way out of them. Of course, I never won those arguments, and deep down I knew that wearing one would save the embarrassment and humiliation of a literal wet bed away from home, but it didn't stop me from trying every time. I never had any full accidents during the daytime since potty training as a kid. Although I do suffer from issues with post-urination dribbling, which is rather annoying. But I suppose it could be much worse, so I try and keep a positive mindset best I can nowadays. Again, that was a story with multiple periods of dryness. Here is another. Like I think a lot of people here, I was an every night bedwetter throughout my childhood. Finally, with the help of DDAVP in my teen years, I entered the dry decade and was 
at the age of 13 to 23. About that period, I had maybe two accidents. Around 23, when I really started developing some mental illness and also began to drink, the combination sat my bladder of its strength. If I could go back and do it all differently, I would. For the next few years, I'd say 23 to 28, I was in denial. I was flooding about twice a month. I had a steady boyfriend that supported me. I did not think I needed protection. I told myself I was having accidents, that this kind of thing just happened. I was deluding myself. The accidents became more frequent. The excuses made less sense. After the breakup, I stopped believing what I was telling myself and broke down and started wearing protection. The protection almost made my problem worse. In the way that our bodies sometimes know things, my penis somehow knew that every night it was wrapped up like a mummy in a tomb and therefore lost its inhibition. I was wetting every night. I was later diagnosed for my mental illness, which helped explain my bladder problems, but did not help cure it. I run in with daytime accidents during this time as well. Thankfully, this did not stick. For probably a number of reasons, most, mostly mental stability, I'm no longer wetting the bed every night. Looking back on the big picture like I am now, it's helpful for me to see that this is not a straight-on decline. I wet the bed, and then I didn't. I pissed my pants, and then I didn't. I wore protection, and then I didn't have to. And then I should have, and then I didn't. And now I don't. I took DDAVP, and then I didn't have to, and then I did. And now I don't have to. With a lot of things in life, my bladder problems are cyclical. So if I have a lengthy soak streak, or a daytime accident, or a leak, or a particularly embarrassing situation, I don't think of it as the end. I'm not losing control. I'm not destroying my life. I'm not a worthless loser. It's just another part of my big, scary, yellow, dripping journey. In this story, the dry periods, it's not as clear whether or not they're dry on their own, or whether or not they're attributed to the desmopressin usage. This is again a complicated story with multiple dry periods in it. Not all of the stories are particularly complicated though. Some of them are relatively straightforward, which is this one. I began wetting at age 10. Potty training was done at one year with no issues, and I was always dry up until that point. It only happened occasionally until 14 or 15 when it became almost nightly. It has stayed the same. I've had a urodynamics test and they've said that I have an overactive bladder with urge incontinence. I have no daytime issues, but on a bad day I can go to the bathroom two to three times in 45 minutes. I occasionally use desmopressin if I'm staying away from home and this works good, although on a continued basis it loses its effect after a week or so. Over the month of using it, I would have had four to five wet nights, so still a win in my eyes. With finding this form, I have now invested in nighttime protection. I always use mattress protectors. I feel much more confident. Things are not as big a deal as they have been, and I'm not beating myself up about it, so thank you. Here's a story of multiple secondary natural injuries as related to emotional distress. Where to start? To say I suffered emotional abuse all my life is an understatement. But, to my knowledge, I didn't do this as a child. But from 15 onward, the constant yelling my parents did, I guess, started taking a toll on me. I joined the service in 2013. I started having them because I joined to get away from 
the life I desperately needed a break from. It was just off and on until I started therapy in 2015. I got over a year without an episode. The death in the family rattled me to an embarrassing wake-up for me. My husband was compassionate and true to his nature tried to help me laugh it away. I wish I could not be bothered like my husband is with the unexpected episode. I'm trying to get seen, find out if I have an actual underlying issue, besides the obvious flashbacks, triggers, etc. If I have no other issue. And I don't want to be worse when I've been so much better than nearly four years ago. These intermittent episodes seem to be common in people who are triggered by stress or emotional distress. Or things like PTSD episodes. User Snowy Frost tells the story of a polysymptomatic situation. I was a bedwetter until about seven years old. Dry for a few years until a muscle issue, causing spasms, pain, and weakness, brought bedwetting back around 16 years. At about 18-19, I got to the point where I had small accidents, not quite making it if I had to flare up with a muscle issue or had a panic attack. Since 21, I've been having periods of less, almost no control after said flare-ups for at least a few weeks. 24 years now, I had to go 24-7, up to 4-6 to six months due to the stress I'm under. If I work hard, but don't stress, and nothing puts me into a panic attack, I have way more control. 100% daytime control, but still wet the bed. But as of the past 3 months, I've been 24-7, even when home. Muscle issue has been flaring up again. Breakups? Family stress, lack of cash, and my job cutting my hours has not been my best series of events in my, for my anxiety and my bladder. Sounds like he was having a pretty tough time at the time that he wrote that. Finally, we have a story from Tut Tut Turtle. I suffered a skull fracture and a broken back when I was 11 after a 60-foot fall. I regained everything but my bladder control. Back then, they didn't have disposable diapers either. My bladder fills all the way up before voiding, usually between 800 and 1200 milliliters, so I wear cloth at night, and I wear a good disposable with a booster during the day. I'll have to change at least three times, and it gets expensive and isn't eco-friendly. This was a short story, but in his case, he knows exactly what his incontinence is attributed to, whereas for many of us, it's not that clear-cut. If you want to get in contact with me, you can navigate to www.reddit.com slash r slash adultbedwetting and look me up on the moderator tab. Or you can email me at adultenuretic at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail for the show. I might just play it on, the, on an episode at www.speakpipe.com slash adultbedwetting. This is Adult Enuretic signing off, saying have a good night and a dry morning.